continuing to look at Abraham, and tonight we'll be looking at Abram and Lot's separation. Abram and Lot's uh, separation. Just before we get started, though, I do want to remind you, the Christmas cantata is this Saturday night. This Saturday night, make sure you come to the Christmas cantata. There's still plenty of these invitations. If you could grab some up, give them to your friends and neighbors, invite them to come. This Saturday, 7 o'clock, is going to be a great time. Be sure to tell folks about it. And next Wednesday night, go on Christmas caroling. No service. Go on Christmas caroling. Be sure to put your name on the list in the foyer if you want to go. So just a quick reminder of those things. In Genesis uh, 13, of course, last week we looked at verses 1 through 4. Uh, chapter number 12, uh, we see that Abram had went down into Egypt. And, of course, we looked at how he didn't trust God. Instead, he relied on his own reasoning. He went down into Egypt. Of course, he ran into a lot of trouble. He ruined his testimony. He got through out of Egypt. In verses 1 through 4 of chapter 13, Abram comes back out of Egypt. And last week, we looked at those passages of Scripture and looked at Abram's restoration, how he restored his relationship with God, went back to Canaan, went back to Bethel, went back to the altar, and got his relationship right with God, restored that fellowship. And now we come to verse number 5 through the end of the chapter where we look at uh, Lot and Abram uh, separating. Um, After returning from Egypt, of course, uh, Abram had flocks and herds while he was there in Egypt. Pharaoh gave him even more flocks and herds. Uh, They come out of Egypt and somewhere along the way, Lot has begun to accumulate uh, some flocks and some herds, and he's began to uh, get some things. Lot previously was dependent on Abram. He was uh, uh, Abram's nephew, and Abram was raising him, but now Lot's become a man. Lot's beginning to establish himself. He's got some cattle and some sheep and some servants. Uh, and so it's beginning to get difficult to stay together. Lot's got a lot of critters. Abram's got a lot of critters. They got helpers, and they're trying to stay together, but it's becoming difficult, nearly impossible for them to live near one another, and so they need to separate. And so in this account that we're going to look at this evening, we see both the historical record of Lot and Abram going separate ways, but also we see an excellent lesson in this story on how we as Christians should handle our decisions, uh, and how we should handle conflict in our life. And so we're going to look here at Genesis chapter number 13. We're going to start in verse number 5 and be going all the way down through the end of the chapter. It says, And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelt then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like unto the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. 
But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it, and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. Let's pray and we'll get into the lesson. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you that we are able to come to your house, Lord, halfway through the week. And Lord, we're able to look into your word. We're able to encourage one another. We're able to challenge ourselves. Uh, and Lord, just get a boost to carry us the rest of the way through the week. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you, dear Lord, uh, for the principles and examples that we can find that, Lord, instruct us how we can live our lives, Father. Uh, Lord, here in a little while, when we pray for the request, Lord, I pray that you will be with each need, with each person. And Father, Lord, I pray that you'll work in each situation. I pray, dear Lord, that you'll be with the uh, children and the teens downstairs, be with Pastor Kent as he's teaching the teens. I pray you'll be with uh, Brother Aiden as he's teaching the young people. Father, I pray that you will just work and bless. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to have that ministry. Thank you, Lord, for the lives that are touched, the young people that are reached, and Lord, for the willingness, uh, Lord, of those that serve in that ministry. Father, I thank you for them. I pray to the Lord that you'll bless us now uh, throughout this evening in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. We get here in this passage of Scripture, and the first thing we see as we start this study is... Uh, the problem. There is a problem. We see it there in verse 5, 6, and 7. And Lot had flocks and herds and tents. Uh, I find it interesting if you back up uh, to where it's talking about Abram. It says in verse number 2, And Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. Lot, he's just getting started. He's got flocks, herds, and tents. He hadn't got to the silver and gold yet. He's, as the way I imagine it, Abram, he's got some nice cattle. He's, he's making money off of his livestock. And Lot, he's more like me. He's got a scraggly goat and a couple of sheep. And, no, he'd really have more, but he's just getting started. He's got flocks and herds and tents. Uh, but the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. Uh, so we see here there's three elements to this problem, three things that brought about this problem. First, we see uh, that Lot and Abram had abundant livestock. They had abundant livestock. As I said, uh, Abram already had uh, livestock. He went into Egypt. He got more. Lot has got uh, livestock. And, of course, you know if you've got livestock and you're allowing them to reproduce, it doesn't take long to, for that herd to get bigger and bigger and bigger very quickly. And so they've got abundant livestock. Now, in most instances, we as people view abundance as success. We view abundance as a positive thing. Uh, although we know that the Bible tells us, uh, take no thought what you shall eat or what you shall drink, what you shall put on. The Father in heaven knoweth you have need of these things. We know the Bible says that, but yet we still view abundance as always being a good thing. We always feel it'd be better to have more. It's, you know, more is better. We, we, if we could just have a little more, we'd be better off. But we see here in this story that although there was nothing wrong or sinful with the fact that Abraham and Lot both had an abundant amount of livestock, 
we see that their abundance began to cause a problem. And you can mark it down, although the world will tell you that abundance will solve your problems, abundance will always create problems. Always, always, always. Abundance will create problems. The Bible tells us in Luke 12 and verse number 15, And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Sometimes we get this idea of more, 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 and we create a situation such as Abraham and Lot have found themselves in where the land is not able to bear them. So we see the first element of their problem was they had too much and uh, they couldn't hold it all and stay together. The second element of their problem was some arguing servants. Some arguing servants. So we see that the Bible says there in verse number 7, and there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. So because they've got a lot of cattle and because... There's not a lot of pasture land. Uh, they are arguing over who gets what, who gets to pasture which cattle when, uh, what's going on here. Brother Danny was telling us the other day about his cow getting loose and getting in the other farmer's cattle, and Brother Danny had to hurry and get his cow out so there wouldn't be no strike between the herdmen, you know. And so we see this going on here with Lot and uh, Abram's servants. They're like, hey, your cows are over here with our cows, and we don't want your cows over here. And, and they begin to argue, and they begin to fight, and they begin to have discord amongst themselves. You know, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 13 and verse number 10, only by pride cometh contention. Now, let me just tell you, this is a verse that every person, that phrase, every person ought to memorize that phrase. Only by pride cometh contention. Just let that sink in. Think about all the arguments that you've ever been a part of. Only by pride cometh contention. Why are Lot's servants and Abraham's servants fighting? Because each of them feel that their cattle deserve the better pasture. Each of them feel that their cattle deserves the time to drink at the, at the well. Whatever it is, each of them feels that theirs is superior. Only by pride cometh contention. And whenever you get that ingrained in your mind, that only by pride cometh contention, and you begin to feel yourself begin to boil on the inside and you begin to feel anger and, and you begin to want to give somebody a piece of your mind, just remember, only by pride cometh contention. The Bible tells us, and we're going to look at it a little more in just a minute, but the Bible tells us that as Christians we're to prefer others better than themselves. And we're going to look at how Abraham did that in just a little bit. But if we take that mindset that we prefer others better than ourselves and we remember that only by pride cometh contention, we will eliminate pretty much all of the constant bickering and fussing that so many people struggle with whenever we remember that only by pride cometh contention. It says in James 4 and verse number 1, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence? even of your lust that war in your members. If you're fighting and arguing, it's your fault. I remember when I was a little guy, my parents used to say, and I'd be in a fight with my brother, a fight with my sister, we'd be arguing, they'd say, it takes two. 
both of you are at fault. Uh, you know, if you're arguing, both of you are at fault. Maybe different reasons, maybe different ideas, but both of you are approaching this wrong. And we see the same illustrated here. So we see that there was abundant livestock, there was arguing servants, and then to further complicate the issue, there was some additional residents in the land, some additional residents. So it says there in verse number 7 in the last part, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. So here is Abraham and Lot. They're here in Canaan. They've got a lot of animals, but they're limited as to how much they can uh, spread out right there in that area because there are other neighboring people around them who are also using this and so uh, they're limited as to how much they can spread out. Also, the outsiders are watching them and looking at them and so uh, they have to be careful how they handle this situation. And so a change had to be made. There was a problem and a change had to be made. In verse 8 and 9, we see Abram's proposal. Abram makes a proposal to Lot. Here's what he thinks will take care of the situation. In verse 8 and 9 it says, And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou wilt depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. I see three Bible principles that Abram incorporated in his proposal to Lot that I believe resulted in this separation. Now we know that Lot gets in trouble later. Not talking about that part of it right now. Just talking about the separation. That how it was able to be handled carefully, cordially, successfully. And Abraham and Lot separated without any hard feelings one toward another. And I believe that was accomplished because of how Abraham handled the situation. Apologize for keep drinking water. I'm dry tonight. But we see here three things, three Bible principles that Abram incorporated in his proposal that I believe made his conversation successful. And if we incorporate them in our conversations, whenever there is a conflict that must be approached, if we incorporate these, I believe that it would help us be successful as well. The first thing that I see that Abram incorporated was a soft answer. A soft answer. So word comes, uh, however they brought the word. I don't know if one of the servants brought the word or uh, if Lot, uh, you know, uh, came to Abraham about it. But somehow Abraham found out that his herdmen and Lot's herdmen were arguing one with another, and Abram responded with a soft answer. He started off with this. Let there be no strife, I pray thee. As soon as he heard about the fight, and he said, Lot, let's not, let's not fight about this. There's, there's a way to fix this. Let's not, let's not get at odds at one another. Let's not be angry with one another. Let's, let's let there be no strife. He started with a soft answer. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, chapter number 15 and verse number 1, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. You know, I believe that's why, and boy, if we could ever perfect this, wouldn't we be something? But I think that's why we ought to labor to check what we say before we say it. Boy, when it comes up in your mind and you're like, that'll get them. Yeah, it'll get them. It'll stir them up. Grievous words stir up anger. Learn to check what you say before you say it. Abram started this conversation. This was a touchy issue. 
I mean, Lot's cattle needed fed. His cattle needed fed. Lot has been dependent on Abram. I mean, he's, Abram's been like a father to him, and, and this is a touchy situation. Their servants are fighting. Uh, the Canaanite and the Perizzite are complicating the issue. This could have been a keg of dynamite. This could have exploded. And Abraham started with these words. Let there be no strife, I pray thee. Let's, let's handle this. Let's handle this like gentlemen lot. Let's not fight. Let's not argue. Let's approach this carefully. So first we see that Abram started with a soft answer. But then we see that Abram followed that up with a simple reminder. A simple reminder. In verse number 8 there, he said, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Why are we not going to argue about this? Because we're brothers. Why are we not going to fuss about this? Because we're family. Why are we not going to let this divide us? Because we are family. And you know what? That is something that we need to remind ourselves. We all come to church here. We all come to church together. And, and for the most part, we are one big loving family. But when you get this many people together, this frequently, this regularly, occasionally there's going to be an irritation. The devil's going to make sure that there's an irritation that comes up every once in a while. And before you head in there headlong, remember, we be brethren. God has united us together. And if I'm a Christian and they're a Christian, we are going to be together for eternity. I'm never getting rid of them. So we want to make sure that we stay on good terms. Abram said to Lot, Lot, let's not get angry about this. Let's think this through because, Lot, we're family. And Lot, we don't want to cause any division between us. We don't, want to, we don't want to do something that we'll regret for the rest of our life. The Bible says in Proverbs 18 and verse number 19, a brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city. And their contentions are like the bars of a castle. Abram said, I've got to handle this really carefully because if I offend Lot in the way I handle this, I'll never win him back. You know what, whenever we want to fly into something and set something straight, we need to stop and think. A brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city. Let's be careful how we handle this, for we be brethren. And then we see the third thing that Abram brought uh, to the table in this proposal was a selfless offer. You want to win arguments? Argue selflessly. I'm telling you what, you will defuse the problem every single time. Abraham came to the table. He said, let's not fight and argue about this. Let's not be upset. He said, remember that we're brethren, and here's what I'm going to offer you. You go first. There was no way that this could become a problem now. There was no way that Lot could twist this, misuse this. There was no way that Lot could accuse Abraham of mistreating him. And if anybody had a right to say, I'm going to choose first, it was Abram. God had said, all this land I'm going to give you, it all belongs to you. Abraham could have said, Lot, this all belongs to me. There's not enough room for you, so I'm going to move you over yonder and you can take your cattle and go. And Abram would have been completely righteous in doing so. But instead, Abraham said, Lot, I understand there's a problem. Let's not fight about it. We're brethren. Here's what we're going to do. You pick wherever you want to go and I'll take what's left over, a selfless offer. That goes against our grain. It's not a natural response. 
But whenever we handle things that way, which is God's way, we find out that we get much better results. The Bible tells us in Romans 12 and verse number 10, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. You know what that means? If me and you got too many goats and we got to separate, I want you to have the better pasture and you want me to have the better pasture in honor preferring one another. I, I want you to have what's better. I want you to have the, the, what's best. That's what I want for you. And boy, isn't it beautiful when you see people acting this out? Every now and again you'll see somebody, you know, and, and you're at the meal and there's one piece of cornbread left. <laughs> and everybody at the table's eyeing it. And you're like, no, you go ahead. They're like, no, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. And you're counting, you know, let's say, all right, whatever. <laughs> Isn't it something, you know, when you see people who honestly prefer, who honestly want someone else to have the better part. Abraham approached with a selfless offer. It says in Philippians 2 and verse number 3, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. And whenever you're preferring one another, you're esteeming others better than you, then it eliminates the pride. And when the pride is eliminated, contentions cease. It's what the Bible teaches us. So we see that Abraham came with a proposal. He came with a soft answer, a simple reminder, and a selfless offer. Lot being aware that there was a problem, Lot being aware that somebody did have to go, Lot being aware that... Um, Abraham was correct and realizing that Abraham was definitely giving him the better uh, option, agreed that it would be best if they did, went different ways. And in verses 10 down through verse number 13, we see the parting, the parting of Abraham and Lot. It says there in verse number 10, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar, then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Now, right off the bat, I see a different type of character being exhibited in Lot than I've seen in Abraham. Abraham said, don't let there be no strife. We be brethren. You pick. I'll take what's left. And Lot looked up. Lot didn't prefer one another. Lot didn't esteem others better himself. Lot looked up, he scanned the horizon, and he said, that's the best land right there. That looks the best. That's the prettiest. That's what I'm going to take. He never considered Abraham, never considered that maybe Abraham should have the better pasture. This never crossed Lot's mind. Lot has a completely different characteristic. And there's something to notice if you go through this passage and look at it on your own. I didn't necessarily put it into these notes. You will find that Abraham, although he made mistakes, something that was consistent about Abraham's life was he was constantly building altars, which means Abraham was constantly working on having a relationship with God. He was constantly seeking God's leadership. He was constantly seeking God's intervention in his life. If you look at Lot, you will never find Lot building a single altar. There's a difference in our personality when we spend time with God. Whenever we ignore the things of God, we become calloused, we become self-centered, 
we become selfish, and that's exactly what we see taking place in Lot's life. I'll show you a couple of things about this parting, particularly looking at Lot. In verse number 10, we see that Lot made his choice based on worldly desires. Really, if you read verse number 10, then Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. It reminds me of another verse of Scripture. And that is Genesis chapter number 3 and verse number 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof. I see the same thing that was influencing Eve in the garden to take the fruit off the tree is the same thing that is influencing Lot to make his decision on where he's going to go. You say, well, hang on, Pastor John, I don't see that. I mean, he was just looking for a good pasture. Exactly. Lot was more concerned about feeding his cattle than he was about raising his children. It was no secret that Sodom was a wicked place. It was no secret that that was a sinful city. It was no secret that this was no place to raise your children. But Lot was more concerned about taking care of his cows than he was his kids. And you know what it's sad to say? There are still parents today who I see in this world who are more concerned about their pets than they are their children. And it's a crying shame that people would have that mindset. Lot, more concerned about his cattle than he was about his children. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter number 2 and verse number 16, for all that is in the world, the things that Lot was looking at, things that Eve was looking at, the things that distract people today. doesn't matter if it's an apple, if it's a pasture, or if it's some other vice of the devil. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Everything that the devil uses to draw people away from God and to influence people to make wrong decisions is fueled by these things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Lot was governed by earthly desires rather than godly principles. Lot was only concerned about what he could do to feed his cattle, to grow his flocks. He wasn't concerned whatsoever with the out, what the outcome would be with his family. And as is always the case, whenever you're governed by worldly desires, you make wrong decisions. And that's your next blank. We see that Lot made some wrong choices. He made some wrong choices. In Proverbs 14, verse number 12, the Bible says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And in a few chapters, I believe it's chapter number 19, we're going to be looking at Lot. We're going to find out that his wrong choices, what he thought was right, ends up in death. And then we see that because he was governed by worldly desires and he made wrong choices, we see that he exposed his family to wicked influences. There in verse number 13, it says, But the men of Sodom, or look at the end of verse number 12, and he pitched his tent toward Sodom, but the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. We see that he exposed his family to wicked Influences. The Bible tells us in Psalm 1 and verse number 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day 
and night. We see here that Lot exposed his family to these wicked influences. He went down there to the plains. When he got to the plains, he was interested in what was going on in the city. And he pitched his tent toward it. Now, there's a whole sermon right here. We definitely don't have time to get into it. But there's a whole sermon right here on the thought of pitching your tent toward Sodom. And I'm telling you what, the devil has snared and tripped up more people by telling them that it's okay to pitch their tent toward it. You're not there. You're not in it. You're not a part of it. But you can, I mean, you can let a little of it in. And I'm telling you what, the devil has destroyed a lot of homes with the same thing that he used here in Lot's life. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 5, 11 and 12, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Lot should have never went to Sodom. Abraham said, look, as far as you can see, northeast, south or west, look as far as you can see, Lot, Go wherever you want. And Lot went to Sodom. Worldly desires, wrong choices, wicked influences. And we'll see later that Lot and his family paid the price for it. But then lastly, after Lot made his decision, packed up and left, we see that God reassured Abram by reminding him of the promise. He reminded Abram of the promise that he had given him previously. And the Lord said unto Abram after that Lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and southward, eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land and the length of it and the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. We see that the Lord reassured Abram of his promise. Now, I don't know. Abram was a man just like you and I. And I know that this thought may have crossed my mind, but as Lot was going down there towards the plains of Sodom, it could have came into Abraham's mind, well, Lot's going to go down there and get established, and he's going to grow and spread and... I guess I lost that corner. God said it was all mine earlier, but I just gave that to Lot. And now his family's going to spread, and, and I just I gave away part of my land. That might have came to Abraham's mind. I don't know if it did or not. But if it did, after Lot left, God said, All right, Abram, I want to show you something. Look, east, west, north, south, as far as you can see, Abraham, it's yours. You didn't lose anything. You didn't give anything away. Abraham, you approached Lot with the right spirit and the right attitude. You took care of him. Abraham, I'm going to take care of you. I see four things that I want to show you here about this promise just quickly. First of all, I see that this promise was a plentiful promise. The Lord said to Abram, look, everything you see, it is yours. It was plentiful. This wasn't a partial promise. This wasn't just a little something. This was plentiful. It was as much as the people of, of Israel would ever need, a plentiful promise. But then I see that it was a permanent promise. Have you ever been promised something and then somebody took their promise back? <laughs> I know I promised you that, but it, we changed our mind about that promise. It was a permanent promise. It said, For all the land that thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. This is a permanent promise, and we see that still being in effect today. And looking forward to the millennium, 
Looking forward to the millennium when God restores all that land that he originally promised to Abraham. Man, what a day that's going to be. Permanent promise. But then we see in verse number 16 that it was a perpetual promise. Abraham, you're going to die. You're going to pass on. Your children's going to grow up. They're going to die. Your grandchildren's going to grow up and pass on. Abraham, but this is a perpetual promise. He said, this promise is to your seed. He said, and I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Abraham, this promise is to you. It's to your children, to your children's children. Abraham, this promise is to all of your descendants for all of time. As long as time exists, this is a perpetual promise. But then last of all, and I guess this was probably my favorite of the four parts of this promise, is it's a practical promise. He said in verse number 17, Arise, walk. This is a practical promise. He said, Abraham, I want to show you something. Everything you can see, it belongs to you. Abraham, I want to tell you something. It's yours forever. Abraham, I want to tell you something. Your seed, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, generations later, it's still going to be yours. Abraham, get up and go look at what I just gave you. Abraham, this is a practical promise. I have promised it to you. Now go enjoy it. If I can make an application here, the Bible is full of promises of God. And many times we like to read those promises and we like to quote those promises. Uh, uh, if we see someone else in a hardship, we like to tell them about those promises. But whenever it comes time for that promise to apply to our life and we're having difficulty accepting it, we need to remember that God's promises are practical promises. God said... I will take care of you. You don't have to worry about it. You may not understand how this situation is going to be taken care of, but I've promised to take care of you. Now arise and walk in the promise. Get up and go. I've said that I'll take care of you. Now you can trust in me. And we could apply that to many, many different promises. The promises of God are not pie-in-the-sky promises. The promises of God are true, genuine promises. I remember we lived in Webster County. Uh, I would have been, let's see, here's how I remember how old, where I lived, when I remember how old I was. So I was probably about 12 years old there in Webster County. And that's where my dad first started making knives, was there in Webster County. And when he first started, he made a lot of knives with deer horn handles. And so he would put the deer horn on there for the handle of the knife. Well, he was in town, uh, there in the little town of Grantsville, and this guy had a couple deer horns he was showing off. And so dad said something to him about wanting to purchase some deer horn. Oh, he said, you want deer horns? He said, I've been hunting for years and years and years. I've got a shed at my house. It is plumb full of deer horns, and you can have all of them. I don't want them. They're in my way. You can have them all. He's like, I'll give you a call, give you my address, and we'll meet up sometime. Dad came home from town. I mean, he was so excited. He's going to have enough horns to make knives for the rest of his life. He was so excited. Well, the guy never called. Well, a few weeks later, Dad runs into him in town, and he's like, hey, what about those deer horns? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to give you those deer horns. I just, I, I lost your number. I'll, I'll get with you. I'll give you a call. Y'all know how this story ended. We never got no deer horns. There was no building full of deer horns. We never got no deer horns. It was a pie-in-the-sky promise. It, was, it, it sounded good, but it didn't apply. And there's a lot of stuff like that in our world. But the promises of God are practical.
They are real. They're genuine. You can live in them. You can walk in them. They will make a difference in your life. So we see here a decision had to be made. Conflict. Decision. Abraham handled it correctly and he was blessed because of it. Lot handled it selfishly and Lot paid the price for his choice. Hopefully that's a blessing to you. Anybody think of a prayer request that they wanted to add to the list before we prayed? Anybody at all think of something?